0: Welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. I wanted to start something a little different, a counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church saw. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible and this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply. We will continue to talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Well, welcome back to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast, and we are continuing this month talking about discipleships, something near and dear to my heart, and uh, and I I have had a blast so far talking, especially with, with both the Allisons on the previous weeks. And to join me on this one, I've got Ricky. Ricky, welcome back.
1: Always good to be back. Thank you. Looking forward to this yeah. one, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. the
1: the testimony ones are powerful, dude. We need to do more of those. Agreed. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and so I hope those have been a rich blessing in your lives. If you haven't had a chance to listen to them, um, please go back and, uh, and listen in. They're topical. So um, we had one on healing and we had a one on victory as a, as a banner. So God, God being the victory over us. I want to revisit just the idea of discipleship. So we've talked about the blessings that discipleships can be in our lives. We talked about Jesus discipling. But what we haven't said, and we've we've encouraged all of our listeners to find a biblical discipleship, but what does that look like? You know, if Ricky, if I, if you told me, hey, you need to find a biblical discipleship that you can be mentored in, in your life, and I'd say, yes, that's exactly what I want. And I would go, I would, I would get off the the Google Meet or the Zoom or the face call or whatever all these things are. I would go with excitement in my heart and I wouldn't even have an idea where to start. Like, what is that, what does that even look like? So when you when you say that, a biblical discipleship, what do you, how do you describe that to someone? Uh
1: I start with. The process of discipleship that I'm referring to is its foundational to what the Lord Jesus taught all of us as his followers. For instance, in Matthew, towards the end of the gospel, there's a short passage that, that we refer to as the Great Commission. And he says, go into all the world and make disciples. So a disciple is one Who not only learns but follows. So go into the world and make disciples of who? Of Jesus. Not us, but of Jesus, helping people to be fully devoted followers of the Savior. And in that little passage, the the command that he's giving is make disciples. And there are three parts to that go. And then after saying, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've taught you or commanded you. So go, baptize, teach is the process. Well, baptism in that context isn't referring to water baptism, though that's a part of the overall process. The word baptized is actually not translated. It's just from Greek. It's changed into an English sounding word. But if you were to translate it, it would be identifying. Identifying them with who? With Jesus. Help a person to develop a Christ identity. And how do you do that? By teaching them all the things that that he's given us so that's it in a nutshell uh somebody wants an example they just read through all four of the gospels matthew mark luke and john and look at the process of jesus spending those three years with with those early disciples and in it you'll get what some authors have referred to as the with them principle so good discipleship, good mentoring, good biblical training and teaching development has got to have the with them principle, which is Jesus spent not just quality time, but copious quantity of time with the disciples. They were together all the time in those three years. Now, he, He, as the one doing the discipling, was constantly getting away to pray and have quiet time and, you know, rest and things like that. But for three years, they they traveled the roads together and they did ministry together, and he was preparing them for his departure. So in the same way, we have to have not just quality mentoring teaching training but there has to be significant quantity of time spent now if i was to finish that off in a maybe a you know probably a couple hour process if i was chatting with somebody i would then say and this is a typical process in the bible uh, the apostle paul Peter and other others the ones who were the champions of the gospel though in those early years of the church history they did the same thing Jesus did they had people gathered around them and they quote unquote discipled other people to grow in their faith to grow in their knowledge of the bible to learn how to abide carefully with the Savior, and then to replicate that in other people's lives. Uh, Paul wrote to one of those young guys, his name was Timothy, two letters, and I won't read from the first one, but in the first chapter, he he goes to, he's very intentional about saying to Timothy, be sure, Timothy, that you don't give yourself to a false teacher. So another really important aspect of saying to someone, learn how to abide by being with someone who truly knows how to abide in Christ. That choice or that decision is paramount. If we learn from somebody who really doesn't know At a significant level, we could do more harm than to ourselves than good. Uh, it's not so, enough just—it's not enough just to learn from somebody. We have to know that they're—I uh, guess—downloading would be a good term—that they're truly downloading the life, and the liberty, and the love, and the word of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and in his second letter, this is Paul from Paul to Timothy. He says, "You then, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified then to teach others." So this process all downloaded to a bunch of young men, now Timothy and Titus and Epaphroditus and others, their job was to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and of the apostles, and then to become like the third layer of walking carefully with Christ, with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and moving the the good news of Jesus throughout the world. And then that's been handed down by this whole process of remain faithful to what we've learned, give it to other people faithfully, that they too can give it to someone else faithfully. And that process of discipleship then expands the gospel across the globe.
0: Yeah. One thing that I want to bring up in the world of business, what do they call those motivational speakers? There it is. When you have like motivational speakers, Oftentimes, they'll tell you, this is not from the biblical base, they'll say, find someone in your life that you really respect and that you want to be like and have them teach you or train you, right? So if you have like an entrepreneur in your life, well, get with them. And that way you look more like them. Well, there's there's truth in those words, because whoever you go to be discipled by likely you're going to start to look like them. Well, what if we painted a picture that you see someone in your church, they seem really happy, they have a a really good family, they're always having fun, they seem to be respectable and upright. But what if they were doing that all in their flesh? What if they did that each week? um, Because no real trials have been through their lives, but that they're just kind of living their best life. They're going out on the boat or, you know, they're hanging out, they're doing fun stuff, but there's, what are they teaching us to do to rely on ourselves? So another aspect of, you know, a a biblical discipleship is looking at someone who is not necessarily living the best life, but someone who's living a life that looks like dependence on God. If this is someone who is constantly, um, going through trials and let you, yet you can hear them talk about the Lord getting them through this, or you know, I, I would never have gotten through this if God hadn't. Well, that's that's a good sign. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm gonna jump on with that person, but it, it's more of a a tell. Is if I look at the product of their life, do I see someone who is walking with God in dependence in space? dependence or uh, in surrender, or do I see someone who is just having fun in life? And and what do I want out of a discipleship? Well, I want to, like you said, look like Jesus. That was the the whole purpose that Jesus was teaching the disciples and then the apostles teaching the next and then the next and the next and all the generations since then. The purpose of a discipleship then, biblical discipleship, is to make us more like Christ in our thinking in our actions in our uh reading of his word and if this person is not going to bring that out and they're going to bring like this is how you have strength through this situation or you know this is great wisdom on this well then you're relying on your yourself and that actually does the opposite it pulls us away from God we may be happy in certain situations but so that's not what we're talking about either. This biblical discipleship thing is really important to find. And if you're if you're at your church, I mean, and you think you found someone and you're you're going to ask them, well, one, pray over it, but two, go talk to the church leadership. Hey, I was thinking of taking a biblical discipleship with this person. Do you know, you know what's the product of their faith? Have you seen them Are they active in the church? Well, if they're not active in the church, maybe they're disconnected. Maybe they're in a different ministry. Okay, well, what ministry are they in? Um, You know, maybe it's their own ministry. Okay, what's the product of their ministry? Are they teaching people about Christ? In what way? What, What does that look like? You have to be really careful, like you said, Ricky, with who you choose, because ultimately, they have the the potential to lead us astray, right? Like we saw that, I, I think it was, um, what in second Corinthians, maybe that Paul warns us. Um, I want to say second Corinthians, or well, he warns a few of the churches to watch out, um, for false teachers, but you know, we might have someone who starts teaching a false doctrine. Well, how do I know it's a false doctrine? Well, first I have to know how to read God's word and look at it. Um, objectively and um, really start to see, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you cannot study the Bible for very long. 66 books in the Bible or 66 separate writings in the Bible. You can't study it very long before you come across passages about uh, wolves in sheep clothing, about heretics, about false teachers, about false prophets. It's 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 a sizable chunk of the Bible dealing with be careful who, who you're listening to. Who you're learning from and unfortunately it, it's going to be this way until a new heaven and new earth um, you, every year we see quote unquote you know air quotes all around it great men and women of God excuse me for my the tone in my voice <laughs> and then we're like what? He did what? She did what? You know, and so that, so for 10, 15, 20, 30 years of ministry, you know, they're well known within the Christian community and so on and so forth. And the whole time they've been leading some secret life of, of some egregious sin of, of some form or another. I guess we can't always guard. We, no, we simply can't guard against that 100%. But it's yet another reminder that if a person wants to grow and to become more like Jesus, to be in the process that he he implemented in the life of those first disciples, that he imitated from the Old Testament, Uh, with Moses and and Joshua and people that were with Moses. The school of the prophets in the Old Testament. And later, you know, the first disciples as they followed the the Lord's pattern. And that's been handed down. We better pay heed to, you know, what Paul said to Timothy. Beware of false teachers. And when you faithful Timothy, choose others to train and disciple, you make sure that they're faithful too. So that they in turn will be like Jesus when it's their turn to start guiding somebody else into becoming more like Christ. It's a very dangerous we do when we talk about discipleship because if we mess it up especially if we mess it up not out of ignorance or you know innocence or I didn't know something appropriately but when we we do so carelessly or intentionally yikes I don't want to answer to God for that (laughs) and I don't I don't think anybody wants to, but a lot of people apparently don't seem to think that there's a big deal with it because there's some pretty phony, false teachers out there. So I think that warning is just really important. Now then I, I think we have to consider, well, you know, scaring the mess out of people in terms of making sure you find somebody of high reputation, of high, high integrity as well as knowledge and experience you know how could we assist somebody that we don't really know you know say we it's important that you you get involved in good biblical discipleship well beyond the admonition of be careful I think if somebody read some really great works some books they could get a feel for what they need to look for. For example, if someone was to read uh, David Needham's book, Birthright, they're going to learn what discipleship involves in terms of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, what is it, what does this new life in Christ really look like? So then they know what to what they're aiming for, and they could just continue to, they could read that book more than more than once, read it a bunch. But then here's a person who's now in his mid to late 90s and has been faithful for his whole life. And in that book, when he wrote it back in the 70s, he described his own struggles and stuff like that. Okay, well, now you get at least a a testimony of someone who's done it well and who's given it to other people well, so much so that he wrote a book, and a complete, a nearly complete uh, introduction to what good discipleship looks like and what the results should be. Well, with that in hand, then a person can look to other people. Maybe their pastor or, you know, a family member who's been walking with Jesus for years or something like that. They could ask some intelligent questions at that point. If I was to ask you to disciple me, they might say or ask, would you cover some ideas like I read in this book? If they stare at you, you know, like a deer in a headlight in a big blank stare, they don't know what you're talking about okay maybe they're not ready to to be the person to mentor you in a closer walk with jesus
0: yeah
1: and you know and, and we could on the, on on your abiding podcast website include a, a number of different books that people could read that would give them some heads up on what they can look for in a church or a person or a group who might be able to offer them really solid discipleship that that the Lord Jesus desires.
0: Yeah and we can we can definitely do that. I think even in some of the podcasts for this month, we've added uh, a few references for some books that you had already referred to. I think the, yeah, and and I just double checked. I mean, Paul, basically, in every one of his letters to the churches in in the New Testament, warned about this. So, I mean, they're obviously going to be there. And uh, again, and just reinforcing what you're saying, okay, but what's the product of their own faith? I I think that can speak worlds. Some of the, and I won't mention the names, I've mentioned them in, in previous ones, but when you look at their their lives you may think wow this christian influencer this this pastors you know has this huge following or whatever but if you listen to the people in their lives they were like driven taskmasters they were they were control and manipulating and that's a good indication that they have no part in the kingdom at least their their ministry that they're teaching their ministry may have a good intent behind it but when when you are acting in a fashion that shows no partnership with Christ i don't need you to disciple me and and hopefully you don't disciple anyone so that that goes back to the product of their character and and their faith um so with false teachers and it could even be something small like like here's a good one we've talked about this many times well we're all just sinners you know i'm just going to keep doing that cuz i'm a sinner okay well no, you know, we see um, many times through scriptures in the New Testament that that is a, a very um, specific term uh, used for those who are not in Christ yet. Um, and a call back to when you were before Christ. Um, but I mean, just look at the, the epistles or the letters from John, First John. First John three, First John five, Paul's writings. Um, it just that's a that's a concept that is foreign to the first century writers. That's it's it's no longer there. So that would be one thing that you know you want to look at and say, okay, well if this person uses the term, oh well, you know, you know, we're, I'm just gonna. I'm going to sin on this side of heaven because, you know, I'm just inherently a sinner. I've got a sin nature. Well, you know, I, I encourage you to maybe search somewhere else for a disciple, uh, a discipleship. If someone's using that language only because they're going to reinforce that in your mind. And that's it's not according to the biblical position. We've talked about that in podcasts previous that you can look up. Um, I think it's it's labeled something to the effect of um, I'm a I'm not a sinner, am I? Something to that. Uh, I think it was season one that we went over that, but yeah, give that a listen. But anyway, so there's there's many different things. Now there's there's small things like when the rapture happens and and stuff like that. Those are we've talked about before. They're minor dif- disagreements on things. When we're talking about false teachers, though, these are going to be people who are going to be leading you away from this biblical narrative of how a believer should be. We should find our source, meaning, and identity in Christ. It shouldn't be on anything we do. It shouldn't be on anything that's done to us. It should be strictly in there. And any language that they use that tries to find meaning and purpose and identity outside of Christ, um, outside of the Lord, that, no, that's, that's just contrary to the word of God. So you know, if you are not highly steeped in or knowledgeable on the word of God, then it's going to be a very difficult proclamation. And so, um, you know, you can I, I encourage you to ask your pastoral staff. Um, you can always email us at Chris at memoirs of abiding dot com and and say, like, you know, these are the things that they're saying. Does this sound like something? And we can encourage you uh, with barely with bare minimum information, we're not going to be able to give you much wisdom. But um, if you can give us some information, you know we can we can write you back and you know we've been able to provide some input on others before uh, about whether something is a biblical expectation. I know I have, so I think that's a really important aspect for us to look at. What about shifting it a little, Ricky? If my discipleship runs strictly on books how is that okay and if it is you know what should i watch out for with that
1: i think i think books are really helpful they can become a substitute for the bible and we don't want that they can become a substitute for the church and we don't want that and why well Something happens in the group setting, and it's the, and beyond that, it's exactly what God has offered us. We are not primarily in the creation. God did not make us primarily psychological. He made us sociological. It was not good that Adam was alone, and so he made him a helpmate. And they were helpmates to one another. And from that, the the mission he gave to Adam and Eve was appropriate to to create the human race. So we need one another, that's just crystal clear in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, uh, chapter 10, I think verse 25 or something like that. It says, be careful, you know, not to neglect meeting with one another but get together regularly that you might encourage and spur one another on. You know, so the whole discipleship process is a with them application. So if you're only learning through books, then you're missing a part of the equation. However, reading good, intelligent, spiritual books written by godly people can quickly and greatly advance our discipleship because the written word typically packs in more truth in a short period of time than a conversation. You know, there's lots of ums and ahs and hesitations and verbal pauses and rabbit trails and, you know, Uh, falling through the hole of Alice in Wonderland type thing. And, you know, that just is what happens in conversation and it's what makes conversation unique and so important to the process because we can stop and slow down and go, yeah, but what about, is that what that meant when we read such and such? And now that I understand it, how do I apply it? things like that So I think books are really important but they cannot become substitutes um, yeah, and yeah. it's important to know who the author is really important yeah this comes back to the whole a part of discipleship is fellowship who you're fellowshipping with really matters because we you can see a very well-known, Christian teacher, known by most of the church worldwide, fail. But there's more pastors or missionaries who fail morally that nobody knows other than the small group of people they're pastoring. Churches across America, you know, with 100 people or 75 people, which, by the way, the the, Uh, most churches in America and in the world are less than 150 in population and hundreds of those have pastors who fail they'll pastor that church for years or a few years It, it doesn't matter and then they fail they have moral failings and they've been morally corrupt secretly probably for years and then they were exposed so it doesn't matter whether they're famous or not, it can happen anytime, anywhere. But in good fellowship, where there's a strong gathering of people, then when people begin to slip and expose themselves for their insincerity or their their charlatan approach, their 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 false teacher mode. It, somebody will see something and will go, huh, what's going on there? Right. And so there's good accountability, loving accountability in the group setting. So yeah, don't, don't be an island. Don't isolate yourself because there's so much bad going on out there. Be careful and energetic and filled with the spirit and move boldly, you know, into some kind of a fellowship arrangement where you have great confidence, but, Getting that confidence means you have to be shrewd and wise and pay attention. That's why I say I think there are some books people could read to go, well, is this church or this pastor or this missionary capable of teaching some of these things I've learned by these great authors? That's at least a metric that one could use. Or like what, what you said, is a person who's doing this, what is it they're talking about all the time? Do they ever you know, slow down the process to consider Christ in the middle of their conversations? Uh, what does their character look like? Now, it's not always a perfect tell, but all of those things are important. Because discipleship's important. And it, it just goes without saying who we're discipled by is of
0: utmost importance. Yeah, so we we've got the idea of who I think now when we're walking through a biblical discipleship, I mean it has to have applicability in our lives on every area. And so if if I'm being mentored, discipled on a Christian walk, you know, you talked about books. Um, so if I'm if I'm gonna walk through a you know, a a discipleship, uh, Jesus modeled one for three years. If I'm going to do a 12 week or an eight week, it's not probably not going to be as effective as I'm hoping it's going to be. And I'm just not going to be able to put enough time to it. Even if I meet every other day with this individual, I'm going to miss out on a lot of the Things that occur, the, the growth that occurs over a longer period of time. And I think yes. that's important that even Jesus spent three years with people. If Jesus spent three years with people to try to teach them the things that he knew. And that was the time elected by the father to bring Jesus through his, you know, the ultimate trial of the cross and, uh, and putting him uh, in the grave and then bringing him up three days later. He chose that time. God the Father could have chosen eight weeks, could have chosen yeah. 12 weeks, but he didn't. And that was, you know, the the time that the Father knew was probably the, the minimum, you know, maybe that was the maximum. I, I don't know how God's mind works and things of that nature. But if I were to want to put together this situation, I would want just enough time that these people that I'm training could get along with something um, and not too much time that, you know, we, we, I don't want to say waste, but we use a lot more of crutch time with me where they could be out doing other things. Right. I still want, it's, it's it'd be like a teacher, right? Like if I'm going to teach, let's say in the industry or, or in dance, if I wanted to teach a teacher how to dance, let's say, guys, that's what I get to do in life. Get to teach people to dance. And if I'm going to teach a new teacher how to teach dance, I have to balance enough time that they can teach it properly, uh, with honesty and, and to do it ethically and morally. I want to make sure that I can do that, but I don't want to spend too much time because ultimately they need to go out and teach. It's their their mission, their purpose, right? So if I take A week and they go in and they're unsure, they may be frustrated, they may not do it right, they may make a lot of problems um, in the long run. So a week's not enough time. Maybe I do it over the course of four weeks or six weeks. Well, that that may be more, but what if I spend a whole year teaching this individual? Well, then I'm taking a lot of time away from other spots. I'm I'm taking a lot of their time that they could dedicate to teaching this stuff so there there has to be a balance of time in this discipleship that you're going to be in there and you've got to be able to commit to a minimum amount of time and if you're looking at something that's a month or two months um, it's probably not going to do it if you're looking at something that's going to be once a month it's probably going to fall short of any expectations that you have just by the nature of how human beings can learn If I'm going to learn a language, let's say Hebrew, and I want to learn it on my own, I don't really have a teacher, and I expose myself to it once a month for an hour or two, I I could probably make it to David Needham's age and still not have a grasp of Hebrew, right? But if I'm immersed in it, which is the best way to learn a language, it also happens to be the best way to learn most everything. If I'm immersed in God's word, guess what I'm going to learn? God's word. If I'm immersed in some sport and the the nuances of that sport, I'm going to learn that sport. Video games, if I just dive into them and I'm just surrounded by it, I'm going to learn them really fast. It's no different in this discipleship. If I'm learning to walk with the Lord and I'm doing it once a month, it's going to be hard. If I learn it every Sunday and that's all I get. It's going to be hard, but if I'm getting, you know, multiple times through the week, a check-in, if I can check in with my mentor, or my mentor checks in with me and, and your mentor has the time that they can do that, it's going to be more effective, right? Once a week, can you do that? I you could probably do that as long as you're pretty consistent with it. You take a month off here or there. And then all of a sudden you may find some of that knowledge that you're learning slip away unless you're utilizing it every day. If you're talking about it, if you're thinking on it, if you're writing down in a journal or writing notes in the columns of of you know your your book or your guide or your Bible, whatever it is, then yeah, sure you can make movement on it. And I think that you know what what's the the source that you're walking in? Is it just a verbal uh, teaching? Well, then I, I need to have something that I can I can write in it. Is the verbal teaching taking me to the Word of God? Well, that's vital. Just like you said, it can't be a substitute. I can't just teach out of, you know, let's say David Needham's book. I can't just, you know, go through that. There's a lot of knowledge and wisdom in there. And I've read it twice myself. But when he brings up scripture in his own book, I want to go read that scripture. I want to I want to learn how to read that scripture. I want to dive into it and not just believe that the author is taking that scripture in context with, you know, how it's being used. I don't want them to use the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven uh, 11 yeah. phrase out of context and just speak it over my life and say, oh, good. God's got great plans for me. I, I know he's going to make me rich or he's going to give me all that I want, all right? Yeah. So I, I need to make sure there's discernment there.
1: Yeah, that's really well said. There's the caution, and then there's the doing. And a person just has to be energetic and thrilled to do it. Keep in mind what Jesus said, right? To be, as you go into the world, be as innocent as a dove, right? But as cunning as the snake. And the snake in there, the serpent, is not the serpent of Genesis chapter 3 it's just a general consensus that when we think of cunning animals we think of the snake they're, they're lurking they're they're ever vigilant their heads always swiveling you know so they be, it's become analogous to to being shrewd to being wise to being careful to uh, being very observant so do all of that I like to use the word ninja, because a ninja is always aware of his or her surroundings. But at the same time, don't let that become your sole focus. Also be as innocent as a dove. You know, a the, the dove has been historically in many, many cultures, especially biblical culture, associated with innocence, right? Uh, they don't do any harm. They just... They just fly around on their beautiful wings, spreading peace. So it's both ends right? Be very vigilant. Be very wise. Be very cautious. But be as innocent as you possibly can be and and enjoy the process. Uh, You're going to stumble. You're probably going to meet some people sooner or later who you're listening to, you're paying attention to, and then all of a sudden, boom, shakalaka. They let you down, okay, all right. I I don't know very many Christians that that hasn't happened to. Don't be so surprised. (laughs) If you're surprised you haven't read the Bible because in God's word, we see people who love him are devoted to him. And then somewhere along the way, they make some serious boneheaded decisions. And in some cases, very egregious, sinful decisions. God's not through with them. uh, And only God can be the one to determine if he is through with them or not. But if they've let you down, now there comes that cautious aspect, right? I better pay more attention to what's going on here. So there's this, this, this burden of caution that we want to share with all of you but also the thrill of the adventure. Don't let that stop you from finding a good discipleship team or person, persons, group, church. And the perfect example was given, two perfect examples were given in the, over this last series of podcasts with uh, the, the two young ladies, both named Alice and their their testimonies were incredible. I just I was just thrilled to be introduced to what God is doing in their lives. And they've done that through this whole process that we've been talking about. Yeah. 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 And, and, I, and you big... did it, you, you did it, and and I did it. And and it goes right back to Jesus and the first disciples. And it goes back past Jesus to what happened in his life as he was growing up. And And his model, of course, was the Old Testament. So, you know, there was Moses and others who were godly people. None of them were like Jesus in his perfection. But they all shared his enthusiasm for abiding in the word and the love and the will of God. And for spreading that, the will and the love and the word of God to other people and entrusting it to other people so it's the way god does it so get excited about it and go out and find somebody to help you walk and if you're if you're ready to equip other people don't hesitate if you're if you're ready get involved with helping other people grow in their faith
0: yeah yeah i want to just touch on two last things with this one is the applicability of, of the discipleship I've gone through one, many of them, and it didn't have any application. It was just like a knowledge one. Like I did, I started doing a really good systematic theology study, and it was, you know, walking through all of these steps of what different aspects in the study of God and his interaction with the world and the universe. And it was very great as far as helping me understand different things, but it didn't change who i was it didn't didn't change how i viewed god um it just changed my knowledge of it and so you want to find something that's more than that because knowledge really doesn't change the heart knowledge uh, knowing as the gi joe said is half the battle but it's actually applying it to our lives that's the big one and that's what you want the person discipling or if you're a discipler discipler there you go there's that word if you're the one discipling You want to be able to to bring others through like, okay, yeah, this is what John 3.16 says, but how does that really change your life? Let's walk through that. You know, let's think about this stuff. So it's taking scripture and it's taking the themes of scripture and it's applying it to my life so that when I go through a difficult situation or a temptation, you know, maybe a lust in my life, maybe the lust is for control. Maybe it's for material things maybe it's sexual maybe it's catching a fly flying in front of your face whatever it is you can then push back to what you learned and say you know what that's not who i am i don't i don't even say need to say no to this i can say yes lord jesus i want to follow you and that's my only desire and then i walk away from it right So the applicability is a big part. And last is, if you are the one who is in a discipleship, you have to come in with the expectation of openness, honesty, with transparency, with the mentor. I've seen this many times where people will come in closed. And generally in the beginning of the, the study, at least the one that we run through, um, there's like an activity that starts it off, and it's like a, oh no, I'm not sharing all of this stuff, and and I will personally, I'll share some of the the struggles that I went through, um to kind of break the ice. But you have to be open because once you you brought that out, whoever's discipling you can point you and thematically, meaning the themes of. What we're talking about they can help guide you and how that relates to you specifically right so if if i if i stumble with control i just want to have control well you know ricky as a person disciple in me can say okay well he struggles with control what's the aspect that we really want to see in his life surrender i just i would want to see that person learn how to surrender so when we talk about scripture i can say okay but yes you know, you see this in Romans three, look how Paul is is showing that none of us have control of our justification. None of us have control of whether we're righteous. Notice Mm -hmm. that that's the theme here. And then you can look and say, well, see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. So then let's look at chapter four of Romans and we go through chapter four of Romans and we see that Uh, Abraham was called righteous, not from what he did or how he controlled the situation, but simply but just trusting what God said. Yeah, I see that. Okay, well, because that person was able to declare to me, you know, their struggle, their stuck points, if you will, their defense mechanisms, those, um, those beliefs that they have in themselves, now as a mentor or as someone discipling, Whenever I go through God's word with them, I can point out those identity pieces that may fight against that initial belief that they had in themselves from childhood, from what people spoke over them, from what they spoke over themselves, right? So I think openness and honesty and transparency, I mean, obviously that's important, you know, that we we should be able to um, confess to another believer um especially someone who's going to be in, in confidence right you need to just mm-hmm. share it with the world but um, when we can do that it brings a level of trust into the conversation it brings a level of trust into the relationship and therefore now because they didn't share my stuff and that they truly do care about me and they didn't just like immediately judge oh chris did that uh you're too much of a sinner for me. Or, uh, I, I, all of a sudden I, I don't want to disciple you because you did this particular thing. And I see that as so egregious. Well, okay. But if you can open up and they, they can accept you as a, as a disciple and walk you through the word, well, now all of a sudden the applicability of the word of God becomes even more because now I can, I can guide you on that. I, I kind of, Stumbled through that a little bit, but I, I think the, the important thing is bringing truth, both as the discipler and the disciple, the one yeah. being discipled and the one doing the discipling. Right.
1: Yeah, it's it's so that is just so important, just. Vulnerability. Yeah, it, it takes time and and I don't think, you you know, the, back to being, you know, wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. I don't think we should become transparent immediately. I think we need to spend time with people. But be vulnerable to the idea of vulnerability, you know, because that's what confession really means. There are phrases in in the Bible that are so important, like exposing the darkness. It's hard to overcome the darkness if you don't stop and look at it. And by darkness, I mean whatever whatever weirdness I've got in my life. I don't have to tell the world about it, but I certainly need to be willing to look at it myself. And, and, and then we're supposed to confess our sins. There's all kinds of trappings that we've created around that phrase when the word in the New Testament for confess simply means to speak in agreement with. So when we're confessing sin, we're basically just agreeing with God about whatever issues are hampering our ability to be more like Jesus. And we all have them, right? Yeah, Some probably. of them are horrible things, and others are the, the coping skills that we've learned because of horrible things done to us, or maybe nothing was done for us. We grew up without, you know, good boundaries or reasonable parenting and we just don't we're fumbling our way through life well all of those things keep us from a close walk with god and that's really all sin is is the things that keep us from a close walk with god right with being with the lord so when we're confessing we're agreeing with god i I don't like this I know you don't like it. I don't like anything about it because you don't like anything about it. I I know you want me to be done with it. And I'm really trying to get done with it. Right. So that requires vulnerability between ourselves and the Lord. And as we grow in our friendship with somebody in a discipling process, that trust can grow and more and more vulnerability becomes uh, available to us. You know, so it goes back to that question. Can you only do it through a book? I don't think so. No. Now, will God honor a person who, I don't know, maybe there's a job that takes somebody to some woe begone island somewhere. (laughs) They're on some kind of lookout or something, and they're on the island for six months at a time, and they're out there by themselves. Can God use that? yes absolutely but it's not the ideal right so you can always point to somebody who might be able to do it on his or her own but it's not what the lord would truly desire of us in in generalities and i'll I'll come back to that part about be cautious find the right people but be energetic about it. Have a lot of fun with it. Don't get down. Don't don't get lost in the quagmire of not being able to find good discipleship. Just keep pressing, you know, until, until you find the right circumstance.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I, I think that, you know, over this whole month, we've made a a really good case for discipleships. I think that uh The word of god makes an even better case for discipleships i think that even as we speak about this my discipleship should connect me to christ and not to an individual and if i'm being connected to an individual then i'm becoming their disciple and not a disciple of christ through this individual and um you know, all of this is, is great knowledge. We see the product of it. And I just encourage all of you that if you heard the stories that both of the Allison's shared their struggles that they went through, that was just a part of, of the two and two year, two and a half years I've walked with those ladies and, met with them consistently. and You heard Allison number two, which was the first Allison uh, with two L's. She said, a lot of times I didn't want to show up, but I did anyway. I made sure that I I stepped in and I, I continued through it. Actually, I think both Allison said it, to be honest. And they did. And the product of that has been transformative viewing and perspective of Christ in their life. And that is is—that's what I hope all of you can get. I, I, I hate seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ walking around this world thinking that the best thing is that they're going to get into heaven and that there is no good on this earth. And mm-hmm. uh, there's no good apart from God on this earth. But God made this world. And he also gave us this wonderful blessing in Christ on earth. Like, yes, we are. Foreigners, we're ambassadors, we are not citizens of this earth. But at the same time, He gave us such wonderful gifts on this earth to use and to feel and to see. And when people aren't walking in that, it is saddening to see that there's so much potential for them that they're missing out on. So, for all of you that are listening, and I hope and I pray deeply that you will find a biblical discipleship that you can walk in for an extended period of time, whether it's a year, whether it's three or four years, you know, it doesn't matter. The the length of time should be long enough that you're starting to see an effect on the trials and tribulations in your life. And if you haven't, I say stick with it until you start seeing (laughs) trials and tribulations in your life and see if the product of that has changed them. If not, either the discipleship is, is not getting there or you're not getting much out of the discipleship, right? But you, you want to make sure that you give it enough time. And, and in this world, we've talked about the busyness of life in previous podcasts. The busy, busyness of life can sometimes pull us away from these things. And we might schedule it out for a Wednesday. And then all of a sudden we schedule something else that might be more fun on Wednesday. And we're like, oh, I can't make it. Oh, I can't make it again. Well, we don't want the discipleship to be a placeholder in your life. We want the discipleship to be a conscious, intentional choice of you seeking to change your relationship with Christ with the help of another individual who is also surrendering some time off of their schedule to prepare themselves and then to also walk with you and then to pray over you whether it's on you know your time or whether it's away from you. So you want to be able to respect that individual and, and honor their time just as much as your own time. Right. And that's, that's kind of a big thing in this modern culture that's difficult. So that's right. yeah, I, I think, I think there's a lot of, any last thoughts there, Ricky?
1: Yeah. I just wanted to share from one of the people that we talk about from the Bible, a uh, fellow by the name of Paul he wrote a number of the letters in the New Testament. And in talking about this whole issue of discipleship, you know, what we've received from Jesus, we give to someone else or, or always remembering that the goal is not to mentor somebody to be like us, but to help one another to be like Jesus. And in his letter to a church in a city called Philippi, he said, but whatever was to my prophet, this is before he knew Jesus, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I even consider those things rubbish, that I may gain more of Jesus and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And so, my brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So now join with others in following my example. And take note of those who live according to the pattern that we have given you in Christ Jesus. Uh, That is a powerful statement of Scripture that the Apostle Paul, having been inspired by God himself to write it, gave to a church that started out grand, was a was was truly a good church what was beginning to stumble into things of the flesh there were people in their church starting to argue with one another and they were starting to fight with one another and the importance of self was gaining the ascendancy again and he goes no 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 stop that come back to your first love and and it's amazing that he says Follow my example. Follow me as I follow Christ Jesus. But remember who inspired him to say that. God. As God moving upon him to provide new revelation for us to understand this process better. And boy, if you go back, it's found in Philippians chapter 3. It's such a powerful statement of what we're talking about. I give up everything for the cause of christ you know you were talking about being immersed in something that's how we learn best you're, you're right and we do that whether it's a video game or you know <laughs> the water cooler conversation around the hottest new tv show right uh sports you know people involved in uh I don't know what they're called, those fantasy football leagues and stuff like that. And they study meticulously the players and the statistics. They immerse themselves in it and they're good at it. This is the most important thing in the world that we're talking about is our walk with Jesus. So my final admonition, encouragement, would be don't make light of it. Please don't make light of it.
0: Yeah. 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 Great. I love that section of scripture too. Um, well, Ricky, would you mind closing us in prayer?
1: Thank you. Father in heaven, again, we thank you for this time. Pray for those who hear the podcast. And not just the podcast that Chris has created, but anything that is out there that is helpful and guiding people to become more like you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you that we really live in a time of abundance of good Bible teaching and mentoring and discipleship. I know it saddens your heart, God, that people go undiscipled. Uh, That's so many who truly, honestly know you. They're saved and And yet, they don't live the full, abundant life in Christ that is available to them because either they have no knowledge that they can press further ahead, or having been the recipients of the invitation to abide more closely, they've rejected. So, whether, Father, it's out of true Ignorance, the way the dictionary defines that word, not knowing, or out of indulgence, or things other than you. We pray, God, that those barriers would be removed, those hurdles would be cast away, and all of God's children will walk carefully with you,
0: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in Him. John 14 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your life. Thanks for listening.